The final episode of Road to the PTO European Open is brought to you by Precision Fuel and Hydration. I talked about it last week, but I went through a period of trialing so many different nutrition brands in my training this year just to try and figure out which one I thought was best. And by the end of it, I decided it was Precision. I then decided I'd reach out to them and see if they wanted to sponsor the podcast, which to be honest, I was going to do with whichever brand I decided I thought was best and just hope that they agreed to come on board. And luckily for me, Precision said yes. So what that means is you all now have a 15% discount code to try Precision for yourself. I personally use the PF90 gel on all my hard rides and long rides. Um, I supplement this by filling my drink bottles with the PF60 drink mix on almost all of my rides, to be honest, but definitely my hard ones and long ones. Then when I do my long runs, I take a couple of PF30 gels with me, usually one normal and one caffeine. And I don't always use the caffeine one there, but I just have it if I'm not feeling great. Like I, I know that it's in my back pocket for if I'm feeling a bit flat um, and it gives me like a bit of a perk up, usually like 60 to 80 minutes into a long run. Um, then I use the PH 1500 electrolyte tablet in my bottles when I swim the night before long rides or runs and most mornings when I wake up before hard sessions. I don't necessarily use it if I've just got like easy training for the day, but say if I have an early morning kicker session, I'll usually wake up and be sipping on PH 1500 electrolyte tablets um, first thing. And that's basically now become my plan. Um, it's the best setup I've personally ever had. It's basically the only brand that hasn't upset my stomach in some way. I've got like a pretty sensitive stomach and get a bit nauseous with all of these um, nutrition brands, but for some reason the Precision product hasn't done that. Um, and it tastes pretty subtle yet nice, which is important to me. The 15% off code is HTT23. It gets you 15% off your whole order. So take advantage of that. Also, if you need any help deciding what you might need or want, um, then, then feel free to send me an Instagram message and I'll help you with it. Like I'll literally chat to you about my experience, what I tried, um, what I think is best and you can tell me about what you have tried and what, what has and hasn't worked for you in the past and we can figure it out together. Um, I'm more than willing to do that just to help you because at the end of the day, the reason why I've got Precision on board is because I love them and they've helped me. And so essentially I just want everyone to try it and see how great Precision is um, compared to other brands. Like you know, I know I used about 17 different brands this year and yeah, I just thought Precision was was so much better than most of them. So, yeah, I just want people to be able to try it for themselves. Here we are for the last episode of the Road to the PTO European Open. Fred Funk, Aaron Royal and Tom Bishop are here to take you one last time through their training weeks. This time their taper weeks in the lead up into the race. Um, and then we'll do a big race debrief with the boys and talk about all the behind the scenes stuff from the, the PTO European Open over the, the week and the weekend. As he's our fearless leader, I guess we'll throw straight to Freddie. Should I start uh, just straight with my, with my training week? It was uh, yeah probably the most successful uh, of of last week for me. <laughs> so yeah, on on Monday I actually did a little like test race. Um, as I said before in a podcast, uh, it's always a bit risky for me to do um, for yeah the first race of the season. It's like a 50-50 percent chance if it goes well or not. Uh, so I kind of wanted yeah to el eliminate that a little bit uh, by just doing a race by myself. Um, so I decided, or me and my coach decided to do like a yeah, Olympic distance, um, more or less in 
70.3 or PTO distance uh, race pace. Yeah, and that was two days of attitude. Um, and I honestly didn't expect it to go that well. And that was, yeah, for sure the um, my, my best day of, of last week. <laughs> Um, so I had like a 20k warm up on the bike where I did like two by one minute at 400 watts, then a short uh, swim warm, swim warm up, um, just like I would have it um, before race. Then I had a 1.5k um, swim. I did it also with Australian exit. Um, I averaged uh, 113 pace per hundred meter. I mean, I never know how accurate the GPS is in, in open water in the sea. Um, then the, the bike was yeah out and back, uh, 45 kilometer. Um, of course, I had to to watch out for the for the traffic still and also slow down on on the roundabouts. So yeah, I couldn't really go like all out um, all the way, but just try to to push it uh, when I could. Um, so yeah, and had really 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 good legs um, on on that day, especially on the bike, and it was easily uh pushing uh, 350 360 watts um on on the flats and yeah the average was in the end uh, 340 watts or 342 watts um because yeah i had to slow down like on the roundabouts and had some traffic traffic out and back into the city and i also had like a um, 46 kilometer per hour uh average so yeah that gave me definitely a lot of confidence especially on on how i felt with it and then I did a 8.2k run of the bike, um, which was, I did it in 315 uh, minute per kilometer average pace, which was uh, for sure um, faster and harder than race pace. But I just wanted to know um, how it feels to run like fast off the bike, because that just was always my problem, uh, especially last year, the first half um, of the run, I could never really get into rhythm. And the second half was actually most of the time, most of the times, um, matching, matching the pace of, of the fastest runners, but I was just then always too far back already, uh, because my first half was, was so shit. So yeah, I kind of wanted to practice uh, to run immediately fast on the bike, just get into rhythm fast and, and keep up the pace. So yeah, that was a bit harder, but, um, yeah, overall that, that race, um, definitely gave me quite some confidence and also, um, was just interesting data that eventually we would try again to race like straight off attitude uh, once again. Um, like once I tried it and it just didn't work in terms on how, of how I felt that day, two days after coming on of attitude, I think uh, we might try it again once, maybe not for, for the biggest race of the season, um, but like for, for a smaller race. Uh, yeah, then that, that day just had a easy, yeah, 10 minute cooldown and um a 10 minute run cooldown and 30 minute bike cooldown. Pretty so. Um, I guess we can maybe at the end of your week, we can maybe talk about, you know, things you may have done differently throughout the whole preparation, but were you like now looking back, would you have still done that? Do you think it was a benefit? Like obviously mentally it, it really helped. Do you think physically it was like, would you have done anything differently? Mm, I think I would have still done that. I don't think, um, I don't think that was that was the issue. Um, yeah, it, like I said, it really wasn't like wasn't like too hard. And um, even if I would like, I, I didn't do any more intensity that um, that week actually. 
So, um, yeah, otherwise I would still do like, uh, usually like if the race is on Saturday, I do like, um, hard run or like a race pace run and race pace swim on, on Tuesday and then a race pace bike on, on Wednesday. Uh, and this way I just did all three, um, on Monday. So I don't think that was the issue. And, uh, I think that I wouldn't have done different. It was definitely good for my, uh, confidence and head for the race. Um, yeah, like I said, I kind of felt, uh, I needed such. Um, but yeah, what I would have done different is just to do a real race, <laughs> um, b before, before, um, Ibiza. Yeah. So I definitely won't do that again to have this big race as, as my first race of the season. I really just need a, a race before, um, yeah, challenge Gran Canaria would have been really, really good. Um, just going to attitude camp earlier, um, calm down, uh, like maybe straight to Gran Canaria or a week before to Gran Canaria, do that race. And yeah, and then still have like a small block um, before Ibiza uh, on sea level. So yeah, that's definitely um, what I would have done different. Mm -hmm. But I think just that uh, I think wasn't wasn't an issue. Um, yeah, on Tuesday I just had a thirty minute easy run, six and a half k, nothing else. Um, Wednesday I had a three and a half k easy swim with which was the only swim of the week I did in the pool. And then on our uh, easy ride, um, then on Thursday, I did a morning run, uh, 35 minutes with a two by one K uh, at three 320 pace. Then had a yeah 2.8 K uh, easy open water swim with with Aaron, Aaron and Richard Varga. So yeah, both of them draft, drafting on my feet. <laughs> <laughs> of course <laughs> i think uh vago was actually he was trying to flex a little bit there yeah, I, don't, I was wondering i was wondering he was so quick like he, yeah. even, he even dropped you <laughs> yeah well yeah i mean i was like <laughs> playing around a bit at the start thought we we're just out for an easy you know cruise couple of k looked up and he was he was like 50 meters ahead of both of us <laughs> and then and then so then on the way back in i was like right okay i'm not gonna give i'm not gonna give him this one then i'm gonna flex a little bit next to him <laughs> yeah then just an hour another one hour easy easy ride that day um friday then uh just a 16 minute 1.1k open water swim which did this swim familiarization there i did that one without wetsuit uh, because I just didn't want to put on a wetsuit for for that sixteen minutes, um, and then just in the afternoon a forty-seven minute ride with um, two by eight minute lactate carrier, always at like one minute at four hundred watts, and uh, three minute at uh, two hundred ninety watts, and yeah, that was my my training before the race. Should should I get straight to my race as well, or um, should we do that uh, later? Should we maybe we we'll go we'll go through Tom and I go through ours up until the race, and then we can kind of yeah maybe all discuss our races, and then I guess we'll have a bit more questions, a bit more context. Do you reckon that's probably the best way to do it? Yeah, for sure. So yeah, just wanted to say like this is not a like a typical taper week for me. I, I guess it was all just a bit different because coming off attitude and do then doing this test race. Um, so I usually wouldn't wouldn't do that. Um, so my taper week would co look completely different. I wouldn't do so less like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Would usually do a bit more, and then of course like having the harder sessions uh, 
Tuesday and Wednesday or Wednesday and Thursday, depending on the race when the race is. So yeah, that's just not a not a typical taper week. Maybe I should have done that different. Actually, uh, maybe I should have just keep the body going uh, for for that days. Maybe I like um, yeah, just went went a bit too easy there. So I think it's it's rather that actually than than doing the the race on Monday, but. I don't know. And, uh, yeah, we will talk about the race at anyway. So, <laughs> but in terms of your preparation, like, I guess if we look at it from when you almost started this series, uh, would you, I guess you've already mentioned you would, would have done a race green Canaria. Is that kind of the only thing you think you would have done differently now, knowing what we know, how the race is raced, like in terms of your actual training and how you train for it would, you know what what there did you learn and what would you have done differently um so i think just would have been better to take do the attitude earlier um also like just just apart from from racing or not before um just coming off of attitude earlier maybe um two or three weeks before um because i think the when to be honest my winter was just too perfect <laughs> so because we were also like increasing um my volume uh, increasing my training overall increasing the intensity so everything just got more and i was training more than ever the whole winter um and i definitely felt it as well um then i went to went to attitude was training hard there as well so it was just like it was a perfect winter but it was also really hard and yeah, probably just way too demanding um, for the body for this particular race. Um, so yeah, I think I would have just need more time uh, before the race to to absorb all that uh, volume and intensity. Uh, if I, if you're talking about like being on in top shape for that race, I mean, of course, this race is really important, but um, because of it being in May, it was never like my my ultimate goal for the season. And of course, I just still want to overall just get better um apart apart from uh yeah performing in races i just still want to want to uh, increase my performance and get the best out of me and uh so so for that it was yeah the perfect winter but for for that race it was just too perfect <laughs> mm. yeah i guess still uh like you said like it's still fairly early and like even though the race may not have gone the way you wanted you obviously still got all of that work done over the winter that you know set you up for yeah. a big a big year to come right so it's not all yeah it's not just lost just because the race didn't go for sure i'm i'm optimistic it will, it will come out for the season and i'm actually quite optimistic for um that i can show my performance in, in summerine already in, in in one and a half weeks because now i've i've got the race i've got like my first race of the season ticked off um i've got some some rest now with with the taper before and now with the the recovery after the race and then summerine is like three weeks uh, after attitude so I'm, I'm quite optimistic um that this could be uh, a really good race so i'm already looking forward um to that especially racing against you two guys <laughs> <laughs> should we keep this series going for another two weeks ready to challenge summary <laughs> yes <laughs> cool um do you want to go do you want to go tom or yeah um, okay mine was, yeah. mine's not too long um on the monday i did a, an easy swim and then i did like my like last hard bike session which was uh i kind of wanted to replicate the kind of the course again so it was about 20 minutes 
and my race intensity up and down up and down like this climb which was actually quite similar to what Ibiza, Ibiza was so I was quite happy I managed to find that little that route locally um and then I did another 12 minute rep and a five minute rep to finish so yeah just um just yeah hit, hitting all race intensities um that then Tuesday was travel day so um traveled in the morning got to Ibiza went went for an easy run in the evening uh, with my brother we just like checked out the old town and stuff it was actually it, the old town's amazing there um but it's not great to run around because it's like so hilly and tight and we got lost in the castle and all sorts so we averaged like 530 k's but it was just fun to kind of stretch your legs after a flight um then Wednesday I did like a little a small run session I just did 10 by a minute at like 3.15 with 30 second jog float um and then I went on the bike kind of checked out the course a little bit then did a, a few smaller roads off around the island so that was just like an hour 20 and I did an open water swim in the in the evening with Viori, one of the guys who we raced with um actually got stung by two jellyfish on that swim which was not pleasant they were like tiny little red ones and yeah it's quite painful actually so uh yeah I, I think I told the guys yeah put a wetsuit on for the rest of the uh swims that you go in the sea because it wasn't that pleasant um do you know what um do you know the, what the best cure for that is I actually tried it <laughs> it didn't work <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. did you do it to yourself or did someone piss on you no i did i did it to myself my arm <laughs> it didn't work I just did, that, uh, that's, uh, that's a myth that is uh, <laughs> then uh what did they thursday just went to the pool um did like a 2k swim with a few a couple of hundred meters at like race pace like kind of get out speed and then just like the actual race pace and i did an hour on the bike went just did this on the course um i did uh, a five minute effort and a 10 minute effort at race pace uh, yeah that that was all for thursday uh friday was just an easy jog with a couple of a couple of like 20 second strides and minute efforts at race pace again so like my, my taper week's quite quite light i don't do a lot of training um i just feel like i just need to get fresh like eat lots of carbs and stuff and um yeah just familiarize myself with the uh with the race venue so yeah that, that was kind of it um I had yeah my brother came out to support me and I had a, an old mate who um used to do triathlon years ago and he actually jumped in with my swim session with me on on the Thursday and he's like not fit at all so all he could manage was like 25 sprint and then he had to rest so he just did some sprints with me and that was it but it was quite <laughs> fun like it was nice to have some some like friends and family with me out there just to kind of keep things relaxed and chilled before the race so yeah that, that was kind of it really similar I guess similar question to to Freddie that like now knowing on hindsight looking at how the race planned out and how you felt and, and what what would you if anything done differently um I, I don't think I would change tape a week like um or not not just tape a week but like yeah. Uh, you know. yeah yeah um I mean with, with like the five weeks I had to prepare, like it's not a huge amount of time to really change anything um, since like the, the race I did in March. So I just kind of wanted to keep pushing the bike. Um, and then I, I kept the run ticking over. I think um, 
when Jack and Max were chatting on the podcast after the race, like I had the same idea as him. Like you don't want to push running too early in the year because you do tread a fine line of like injuries and stuff. And especially after the past few years for me, I've always picked up small little kind of lower limb injuries, like not nothing serious, but I just wanted to make sure I was coming into this race like 100% healthy. So um, I was just kind of doing one one run session a week and a long run. So I guess in hindsight, I'd probably spend a bit more time at like, well, I'd do some like threshold running and stuff, but I'm kind of waiting until I get get uh, another good block in before I focus on that. And that's likely going to be when I go to altitude uh, in, a, in a month and a half or so, because um, I've got a few races coming up in between now and then. And we all know like races are, quite good trading sessions like they do they do provide a really good trading stimulus so I'm hoping just the um the racing will kind of tick me over until I get a chance to go on a training camp properly and really work on that but yeah for the time being it was just getting to the race healthy and in a good enough position to kind of be there or thereabouts cool um right I'll go into Going to my week. So, uh, yeah, I was out in Girona between Gran Canaria and uh, Ibiza. So, yeah, obviously I raced Gran Canaria two weeks or a week before I started this week. Um, and so I had like a, a solid-ish weekend, I'd say. It was like the, the first bit of proper quality that I did. I mean, we spoke about it on the last episode, but just to give context on on where I was at coming the Monday. Um, so, yeah, off the back of a solid weekend, I just had a, a small swim on, on Monday morning. It was 3,200 metres. Um, and then I did an hour run with four by uh, five minute efforts at like kind of goal race pace. Um, and or, or kind of like maybe not even race pace. Obviously, I, I didn't hit that race pace. We'll, we'll get into that when we actually start talking about the race, but more like how that intensity feels. Um, and so, which is, um, yeah. So anyway, I, I, there were four by five minutes with a few minutes rest in between and basically 320 to 318 average for, for each of those efforts. Um, that was my Monday Then Tuesday, uh, it was just a two and a half K swim easy. Um, oh no, I had a few sprints in that, but like not much, a few 25 meter sprints. And then I did a bike session, which was 90 minutes in total. Um, and I did four by 10 minute efforts um, at goal sort of race power, uh, which was 320, 325, 329 and 327. Um, and yeah, it was a touch above the overall power that I had in the race. But um, yeah, for 10 minutes, it kind of felt again like that race pace intensity and felt pretty strong on that actually and had quite low heart rate. So yeah, that was a, a day where I felt felt pretty good and um i guess uh, even though it's quite quite a sh short session um gave me a bit of confidence that at least i had some what seemed like i'd have some good uh taper legs sorry taper legs um bike legs in a taper week um then wednesday i traveled to uh, ibiza uh i got like an afternoon flight from barcelona it's only like 40 minutes so super easy travel uh so in the morning i did like a 50 minute run and a 3k swim um did that in Girona before I left around about lunchtime and yeah got into Ibiza about dinner time and um yeah got all settled and packed unpacked and got sort of I didn't really check out the course that day but sort of checked out the town and just had a look around and saw the transition area etc but um yeah on the Thursdays when I 
did a few efforts where I could check out the course. Um, so I did a, an hour ride where I had three by 30 seconds, just like kind of as part of the warm up, and then three by two minutes. Um, again, like just, I guess, to not do too little, just to keep the, the engine firing a little bit without sort of um, creating any for too much fatigue or residual fatigue. It's just like um, about three, 380 watts for, the, for each two minutes with four minutes between, um, and yeah, an hour in total. So not much like... Yeah, like I said, just to kind of fire the engines a little bit after a couple of easier days in the travel the day before. And um, just two by 1K runoff at the first one at 3.12 and the second one at 3.14. And that was within a, a 30 minute run. So just well, I jogged for like four minutes before to get to a spot where I could do the 1Ks and then did those 1Ks and jogged for, for 15 minutes off the back and um, yeah, did that. 2k two and a bit k swing open water swim with freddie and and richard varga um and then friday day before the race uh we had the swim for realization in the morning which was i basically did about 1500 meters um with a few starts and a few sprints uh then on the bike just yeah rode over the course again for 50 minutes um and i think i did like a five minute build within that but I, to be honest, I, didn't, I don't even know if I lapped it, um, but it was more just like, I don't know, maybe starting at 300 watts and building towards 400 watts towards the end. And um, yeah, again, just kind of waking the legs up a little bit. And then a six kilometer run in the afternoon. Um, and yeah, on that day, that's the day before the race. So getting everything obviously ready and um, making sure you got everything that you need for the race. And yeah, if I was to do anything differently, I don't know. I like probably, I probably wouldn't. Maybe the only thing I maybe would have done is looked into more of doing an altitude camp. I, I tend to respond well off the back of altitude. Um, so potentially maybe doing that beforehand. But then again, that kind of gives me the same dilemma as Freddie as to like where does that fit in? And if you want to try and race beforehand, how do you make that work? So. Probably that was maybe one thing that I would consider. I'm not sure I would have done it, but that's certainly one thing I would look into next year if we're if we're we're presented with the same scenario. Yeah, I, I thinking back, I I forgot to say this when you asked me if I'd have done anything differently. I probably would have done a like a bit of a heat top up. I think because it wasn't like ridiculously hot, but I always feel like if it's if it's over twenty degrees, more like twenty five degrees, like your core is still going to get pretty warm and um I I respond quite well to heat as well and I just felt like it would have made things a bit more comfortable and it 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 kind of has a similar effect to altitude in terms of like it it does help with kind of a a bit of a physiological response um for performance as well as just like coping with the heat and it is a shorter you don't have to spend as much time doing it you don't have to go away for three three plus weeks so that might have been the only thing I I would have done differently but it it then does interfere with like race specific stuff that you can do as well. So it was a bit of a balance, but um, that might be the only thing I'd have changed. But mm. but there are one or two aid stations more would have helped as well on the run. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I agree. I mean, I didn't find the heat affected me too much, but like you said, if you do it right, it can kind of give you the similar benefits to altitude anyway. So, you know, but it also, it's same with altitude. And maybe more so with heat 
maybe just because a lot it's maybe less research than altitude it is quite risky at least i found anyway trying to do heat um and quite a lot of intensity like off the back of it i've i've done had some races where it's gone okay and and also quite a few that haven't um and then just yeah like obviously i wouldn't say it's doing something differently but yeah i I think as we would probably transition now i guess into talking about the race a little bit but you know it was a i mean we kind of predicted it last week or at least i did i I said it was going to be a really it's going to be on because you've got the firepower at the front firepower from behind both trying to work against each other or you know keep each other out of the race and um and i think i said it's not going to be super quick run you know like I said, if you ran 320s and you got, if you got off the front and ran 320s, you'd probably end up on the podium, which was the case. I think Magnus ran a little bit, you know, just over 320 pace. Um, so I think, which, I mean, all of us here are probably capable of, of doing that. I think it's one, just making sure that you're off at the front and two, being able to do that off such a hard bike ride. And And for me, I'm not quite there yet. So I guess still just trying to like would have worked harder to try and build that strength to be in a position where I could, but you know, that's, that's easier to say sitting here now. Like I felt like at the time I was doing that and I certainly feel like my ride has improved to a level where I can kind of get into a position like close to the front um, or stay close to the front in these type of rides. But um, yeah, moving forward, I guess it's, it's like, okay, right. That's, that's the level here. And, and this hundred K distance, right. It's still, I know it's fairly similar to a half, but I feel like it's almost raced like an Olympic distance. And then those that don't fade the least towards the back end um, are going well. So um, yeah, the level's getting more. And I guess the only thing that I would have done maybe differently is I, I can't even say I would have done it differently. I mean, I was, I was working on it anyway, but I guess it just opened my eyes a little bit more to go, right. Okay. This is the level. This is what you're going to have to do. And if you want to be able to ride at this pace and stay with the front group, you're going to have to run this and be in a position to be able to do that um, off the back of it. But uh, yeah, that was other than that. I think I wouldn't really have, have changed anything. Jack, any suggestions how we tackle the race? Did you have any questions or um, did each of us just delve into our race a bit or do we just sort of openly, freely talk about it? What do you think? I think it's actually probably best if you, you all just talk about it together um, and then through that talk about your individual experiences. Uh, like you all had... I mean, I guess Aaron and, and Tom, you you guys spent most of the race together, really, and you'll probably have slightly different stories about that. And then Fred obviously had a, a very different story. So may, maybe just like, you know, Aaron, you start telling your story about the race and, and Tom can step in and, and then tell his stuff and mm-hmm. Fred can tell his stuff. And we'll just, yeah, let, let's just let's just spend 30, 40 minutes chatting about this. We'll, we'll get it all out there. Freestyle, eh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Okay, well, yeah, I mean, I obviously started, we start with the swim, <laughs> but um, it was like a, uh, it was quite funny actually, because uh, Tom, did you, oh, yeah, you started, we all started fairly similar sides to the right. Yeah, yeah. And the pontoon was kind of flooded, wasn't it? Well, not pontoon, the, the beach start, our side was flooded, which was kind of interesting. I don't think it really made a difference, but um, yeah, that was quite interesting. And I knew I, I wanted to take the swim out hard. I think I, I said that and I wanted to to not necessarily break away solo, which is not my aim, but to try and, you know, make it fast to make it hard and, and hopefully get some gaps on onto some people. Um I felt like it was 
bit like that. I need to get better at my bloody navigation because a few people have said to me, mate, you're swimming like a snake all over the place. But the problem, I don't know. I, I don't know whether you guys could see or whether you're all just looking at the feet in front. I couldn't fucking see the boys. I had yeah, no idea where they were. The boys were quite hard to see. They're not, they weren't very tall, were they? So, and the, there wasn't loads of chop or swell, but like you, you could still like at the bottom of the uh, the wave, you would be able to see where you're going and stuff. So, but no, I was generally just kind of, following feet and then i'd look up again just to kind of see like what you were doing at the front how the pack is like changing um like i i i was about four spaces to your left i think and my plan was to like enter the water pretty slow and then immediately cut across onto like yours and daniel's feet uh managed to get like kind of drag drag through that way uh, and then so I knocked my goggles off so i had to stop and do breaststroke and put them back on which is annoying um but i managed to kind of swim swim back up and I could we had a few people had different colored hats on and I knew Alistair had get a blue one on so I could I, I was on his feet for quite a while until he kind of really started to make a push a push forward up the pack um but yeah it it, it seemed pretty like I could tell it was moving around a bit but when you're at the back of the pack you can kind of let let the let people snake around a bit and you just swim straight so it wasn't too bad for me um in terms of that really uh, how, how was your swim Fred? I mean, it started pretty well. I was actually, I had a had a pretty good start because I had Aaron to my left and Flo Anger to my right. And then it was Daniel next to Aaron. So they were all, all the good swimmers there. So I immediately had had some feet to follow. Uh, went, came around the boys pretty well. And I was uh, actually right in, the, right in the pack. I was already happy being being there, <laughs> being there at the front pack. But then, um, yeah, I think it was uh, Rudy von Berg who... Who I was, uh, who was in front of me, and then let a small gap open, and obviously I just realized it a bit too late. And when there's as soon there's like two three meters, it's just impossible to get back. And then I was like, oh no! And uh, I mean, I decided to actually not even not even try um, to to close the gap um, and just like stay a bit stay at at Rudy's feet. Uh, I think after one lap, we just had like 10 or 15, 15 seconds on you guys. Um, but yeah, in the second lap, uh, our pace just got so slow. Uh, I mean, on the other hand, I, I conserved a lot of energy. Like it was, it was fairly easy the second lap. Um, but yeah, definitely lost, lost a bit uh, more, more time than, than I wanted there. Freddie, the, the interest. So you, we're naming names, are we? You, you mentioned Rudy. You, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I, I'm not blame. I'm not blame. I'm not blaming Rudy. I mean, um, I don't know. May, maybe I, I maybe I would have like uh, lo lose the feet hundred meters later or whatever. You you don't know because you were you were really pushing pushing the pace up there, and uh, you're definitely a lot a lot stronger swimmer there than than I am. And everyone who's in that front pack is a stronger swimmer than I am. So. Uh, actually, I mean, I would have been happy to come out with the pack, but it also would have been a surprise even for me. <laughs> I think um, on the way back we had the waves of us as well, so they were that kind of accelerates the speed slightly and can kind of cause a few little splits. So it, I can kind of understand how the split might have happened on the way back in because you get pushed and you can like really pick up your pace. And if if there's a bit of a timing, one person catches the kind of the the wave and the other person doesn't, then that just breaks the pack and stuff. So and the one waves yeah. it was more just like the, uh, the undulation, swell. yeah, as well. But um, Freddie, had had you made that group, you would have just had to stand longer in transition anyway, right? So, yeah, exactly. Unfortunately, yeah, that was the thing. <laughs> like, so um, I think they they uh, so yeah, just for listeners who who don't know, so I basically had a um 
flat tire on my disc. And I think it was James Mitchell who realized um, while he was taking pictures of the bikes and he realized it like right when the, or just before the first pack um, with, with Aaron and Tom came out of the water. So yeah, they started, uh, they luckily got a spare wheel, um, started changing it. Um, but yeah, they basically finished. Um, so I still had to wait uh, and he won uh, like 15 seconds um, until they, they finished taking my wheel in. And then I could start the bike at the end of the at end of the second pack. Um, I was basically coming in uh, yeah, second of the second pack into T T one, and then was uh, leaving the um, transition the last of the second pack. But yeah, that was very unfortunate. Um, and I mean, I'm really thankful that the mechanics of the PTO or the neutral wheel service. Um, we're changing my wheel because this is not possible at any other race actually because it's outside assistance. Um, so yeah, otherwise the race would have been just right over there um, because the new two wheel station was at the bike lab, which was yeah two and a half k from from T one, and I wouldn't even wouldn't even have get there. Um, so yeah, I was lucky this way. Whose wheel do you, do you know? Do you know whose wheel? It's uh, yeah, it, it was Lucy's. Um, so okay. she actually wanted to she, she was actually wanted to give that wheel to the neutral wheel station but they said they have enough wheels so basically cube um which is mine and lucy's uh sponsor um they were there at, at the transition still having the, her, her wheel so they could they saw um that i had an issue and they just gave the wheel uh, straight in so they could uh, straight change it so i was lucky this way for sure and do you know what the issue was? Was it a flat tire or no? I guess a flat I mean, tire. I, oh, you mean yeah. uh, with the disc or yeah, um, uh, with, yeah. yeah, with your wheel originally. Yeah, um, there is a small crack uh, on the rim in the carbon, so basically the 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 air and pressure was just deflating. Um, yeah, to the to the inside of the of the disc, and nothing what like a sealant could have solved. But uh, yeah, the Probably some uh, production issues with, with with that disc. I will disc. I will also send it send it back to to Vision to to inspect it, as this usually shouldn't happen, of course, because I had no crash or, or anything and was also yeah protected on the on the flight. Maybe not protected enough. I don't know where it happened or when it happened, but um, yeah, we 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 thought before the race. I already had issues with it before the race. Um, uh, we thought we fixed it, but um, it it was holding well for for two days. But then, of course, uh, as always, <laughs> for the race, uh, it's just not uh, good enough, and uh, got got the flat there, sadly. Well, at least you at least you got a uh, a wheel. But I guess touch on. I think you maybe had issues with that the the spare wheel. Is that right? Yeah. So I went on, went on the bike. Um, I was still in contention with with Christian and and Magnus. Uh, so I. St- straight jumped onto the train um we were riding pretty hard and of course i i mean i saw my power and it was like 400 410 watts um and i i knew i mean usually i don't need that much uh, to follow magnus and christian but i thought maybe they're just pushing it like crazy and um yeah it was always like when we're going slightly uphill when we're going like 30k an hour or under um it was immediately way easier. I could immediately take out some some power, but it's when we were like going flat or when we were going like downhill really fast. I 
I actually couldn't follow at all. The only problem was also that um, I've got a, a like Lucy is riding Shimano, so um, I am and I'm riding SRAM. So my biggest gear uh, changed from fifty four ten to fifty four eleven, and that was just way too less to to follow uh, Christian and, and Magnus on on the descents. So I basically got dropped on the descent uh, to the um, to the turn of the first lap on that longer longer descent where you really like could go like over seventy k an hour uh, because I just. I was not not rolling because um, I had a I, the spare wheel I got was eighty, uh, and uh, I think the wind on that day was just perfect for the squares. Um, was I think like side wind all the time, so you just got that sailing effect, especially when going like sixty seventy k an hour. Uh, so basically, when I was not pedaling, they, everyone was just like rolling away from me, and then on the downhill, I just couldn't like pedal because i only had like 54 for 11 as, as biggest gear so i couldn't do anything against uh, <laughs> them rolling mm. away from me and dropping me and that basically happened every time when we were like going really fast um we were catching up to Flo Angert and then Beckegaard, so i tried to stay with them but even that like every time we were going like slightly down and off flat um on fast sections they were just like rolling and pedaling away from me and every time, um, yeah, it was like slightly uphill, I could kind of catch back on, but I really had to ride uh, really hard um, the, for the first two laps, uh, just to, to stay there with uh, Fluangat and Danny Beckegaard. And uh, yeah, it was really frustrating because I knew like, I've, I mean, I'm pretty sure I could have gone just with, with, with Christian and Magnus there to the front. Um, and then I would have been there in contention of the race. I mean, apart from that, my my legs, um, yeah, weren't that great either. So, I mean, latest on the run, I would have would have faded. Um, apart from all that mechanical issues, but um, yeah, it was just just really frustrating. It gets into your head, and I think you just can't put everything out there anymore. Even if you're telling yourself, okay, come on, just make the best out of it. It's just, yeah, it's just hard when things uh, don't go your way. Yeah, no, that that's rough, Freddie. But um, yeah, it's mechanicals are just like part of the game, aren't they? But like, it, thankfully, you still got to race, and it's not the result you yeah. not the result you're capable of. But um, I think you still did really well, just to kind of not let it get to your head too much and finish the race. So um, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it was just I just to to actually can fin finish. Uh, just talking about my my race here, really quick, like. Um, yeah, I went onto onto the run course um, with with Daniel and Flo Angert, so basically with the chase pack. Or by that time, I think it was the third pack. Um, I don't really know. I also don't know what what gap we had to the front. Um, but yeah, I was still hopeful I could kind of uh, yeah hit off hit off still a solid run. Um, but yeah, I was just the first two k was still fine, but uh, then I was really feeling flat and completely destroyed and um, it. Yeah, the riding was pretty hard. Uh, I had to ride pretty hard just to stay there, but still I wasn't putting power, putting out power where I would say, okay, this is way too hard for me. Um, so yeah, I was just feeling feeling yeah shit on the run and just my legs didn't really open and it was just more or less finishing the race and uh, watching it uh, unfold at the front. I mean that that was the good thing on that run course. I could more or less uh more or less had a front row seat of of watching the race. <laughs> but yeah, like finishing just was in the end the only only important thing. 
um yeah like you like you said tom still get like a kind of good training session done um but yeah it was really disappointing so um make if i had no mechanical issues i probably would have ended up maybe five six places more in front but definitely not where where i would have want to be uh still fred i have um three questions off everything you've said so i'll just shoot through them my first one is everyone was really um amazed and uh, like in awe watching of, of what magnus Ditliv did and and how he rode um and being the guy who ultimately sort of led to the split between um the front four guys and, and christian and Jan. you were on his wheel for that that like period of time when he bridged that 90 second gap from your chase group to aaron and tom's group out the front was he doing anything like really special there like like people think he was or or was it not really that special and you just had a shit day with the mechanical um no he was just pushing it hard but but controlled i mean like i think how magnus is always doing it he was just like overtaking um then if there's like a big enough gap he's just maybe going in uh resting for like 10 seconds and overtaking the next guy and doing that all the time and just pushing pushing really hard um, i don't think he he did anything anything special there um yeah he was definitely riding riding uh really strong and um i mean i yeah that's that's what definitely impressive like i don't think i could um like push the pace like him but i think i could have like like followed him so, so like with, with christian i think um from my observation magnus has kind of changed a little bit his his tactical sense in in how he races like and probably because he backs himself on the run a little bit more. I feel like before it was like, have to get to the front, have to get there. And sometimes maybe didn't think about who he was bringing with him, how many people, at kind of what cost it was going to be to his run legs. Where now I think he really thinks about it a bit more, makes a, a bit more of a decisive effort to go and not bring some people across. Um, and yeah, so I think he's obviously. He's got the bike legs, but to be honest, I was actually a bit surprised that it took him 60Ks almost pretty much to catch us when he was only 70 seconds down out of the water. But I think that was because he had to like bite his time a little bit. Sometimes we'd let gaps go. Um, so then he would then surge across and try and not bring anyone through. That's how it kind of seemed to me. Obviously, I'm in the race, so I couldn't really see what was happening behind me, but also what other people have said is like, that's kind of how he's, he's trying to race now. But also on that, I think, you know, Freddie, you started, you, you, you first named some names. So I'm going to, I'm going to throw one out there. I think um, I'm calling Christian would not have been on the podium without Magnus in that race. I think he would have been maybe fourth or probably fourth um, because I think he would have been back with, with you guys. Yeah, it was actually like Christian was was leading the pack um, because Magnus was uh, somehow still beh behind me. I, I thought I would uh, leave T T one last, but actually Magnus was still behind um, because like Christian was leading the pack. Um, I think then it was uh, Rudy and then it was me, uh, and then just like after yeah like five k, Magnus just passed by, and that was just the moment like where also Christian started picking up the pace. So, I mean, I'm sure he like pushed like his power or his pace until that. And then he basically decided to to follow Magnus. So, yeah, I think you're right. Um, otherwise, he probably would have continued just 
do his pace and his power and that probably or maybe wouldn't wouldn't have been enough um to to reach the first pack like that well he i think he uh, someone said he went from at one point and jack you're probably the best one to answer this because you you're probably watching he went from like 60 seconds out of the swim and at one point he was 90 seconds down is that right yeah yeah. he'd lost 30 seconds at the start of the ride yeah he was um he was probably a bit over 60 seconds out of the swim. He was probably more like um, 75 seconds, but he did. him and Christian did get back to, like early in that ride, you guys put time into them. So it sort of went from like, yeah, that 60, 75 seconds out to like 135 in sort of like the first 5K of the bike. Um, so obviously you you guys went a bit harder for the first 5K than, than what Fred and, and Christian and, and Magnus did. And then from about 5K, then he just started eating into it. And Aaron, just before you said that, he didn't get up to you guys until 60K, but I don't know if I'm going absolute batshit crazy, but I thought watching it, he got to you guys at like 35K into the ride. So he got into the back of that group it, at about 35K in. I'm almost positive because, uh, yeah, no, he definitely did with Christian. Right, I didn't see him. He might have been at the at the, at the the very back then. Is that, Tom, do, do you, is that what you thought? I didn't look behind, to be honest. I could kind of see when we did the roundabouts that he, they were definitely getting closer. Um, but what is it 20k a lap so it felt more it felt like after the turn of the second lap maybe uh the, sorry into the third okay. lap but i'm not i'm not too sure um obviously with the with the gps trackers we had it probably was more accurate for the viewers but what happened jack is he 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 caught i think we caught the back and then tom and i can probably talk about this a bit because this is kind of where we got dropped from the front group then we got we got distance and dit level still behind. So then he, in that next between 40 and 60 K, he had to get around us to the front and then close back to the front. So he, he only got officially to the front of the group um, going down the hill to finish the third lap. Cause I tried to go with him uh, to close. Cause he, so, so basically um, yeah, Jan was, was with us. And I, th- I think he, he's publicly said he didn't have, great bike legs on that day and he was struggling going up the hill and um he came around me I mean Tom can give his version as well but um he came around at this point he came around me this is about 45 50k into the race and he he let a gap go um to was Max Kyle and Alistair in front of me and I was like no this is yarn it'll be fine like he'll just just stay here because he'll just he's probably just trying to take it quite steady up the hill and then he'll he'll you know ride across and on the downhill um and then before i knew it i was like holy fuck there's a big gap here and i'm like shit i'm gonna have to go try and go around and close it to which i did but at this point magnus is still behind us right so technically maybe he was at the front but then because of the separation we went back to being like 20 30 seconds behind and then i led for like the next five 10k ish to the turnaround and then that's when Magnus overtook me heading back. So that would be 50, the, the, the turnaround from 50 to 60 K. Um, that's when Magnus went around me and I tried to go with him and he's still not quite at the front yet. Cause we still, we had about a 20 second gap there. Um, that probably lasted maybe two, two and a half minutes, but it was, and he went past me going up the hill, which was, it was all right. It was hard, but it was okay there. But I, I knew like, okay, this part's going to be the easier part, if you can say that, but the hard part's going to be now when we crest the top, going across the top, which was the tunnel, 
where he's going to have more power than me and then going down. And I was like, right, you're just going to have to bury yourself for the next few minutes because here's your ticket back to the front. And I just, I just didn't have the legs. Um, and that's, that's kind of where he finally reached the front. Um, if you get what I mean, because it kind of like changed at one point, the front was there and then it also split and then he was no longer in the front. Yeah. And, and at that point, the race, Jan lost the wheel so quick as well. Like when, when Magnus overtook you and the, you pushed on, it was gone. And I, I was just too far back to try and follow. Uh, I eventually got back onto you, Aaron, I think, going into the last yeah. lap. But yeah, Magnus had obviously put on, put in that massive surge to get across. Um, but yeah, like, yeah, Jan admitted it, his legs weren't great. And maybe it's because he's not raced 100k PTO open race. Like, it's a different, like what you said earlier, Aaron, it's like short course again in terms of the intensity. And because he's had a lot of time out. I know he did Colin, he's done Collins Cup, but it's not quite the same. So probably might not have been quite ready for the uh, the intensity and the the kind of slight surging. But uh, yeah, he, mm. he kept on. And he, I could tell he was struggling because he kept like, he, he was coming, he was like losing gaps. And I, I'd overtaken him a couple of times, but he kept on like, like kind of dive bombing on the roundabout and getting back in front of me, losing the gap, losing, losing the wheel again or gaps was open, I'd come back round and then he'll do the same thing at the other end of the course. And it just like I, I had to ride onto the front pack as well at the start. So I'd burn a massive match there, like probably half my packet at that point, just to get to the front pack. And then having to shut down what that three more two more times just like cost me, I think. Um but yeah, it was it, it was way more it was very stochastic at the back of the pack. Um because yeah when you're at the front and you're riding you can control it you can kind of swap turns but that pace change just is amplified at the back with like that kind of concertina effect of just so just going you you're kind of late to react from 20 meters it opens up to 30 plus and then you have to ride hard to get back in and it was uh yeah it's something that i need to learn because i'm still not used to that sort of strategy like in hindsight maybe it would have been better to try and move up the pack kind of follow max a bit when he kind of got across but obviously looking back you can come up with so many different what ifs if i'd have done this better but at the end of the day like magnus played his cards perfectly well got across didn't bring the the the, the favorites with him and it, it got him on the podium can i ask a couple of questions here when you're in a group like that and um all that like is happening there's like um gaps forming people closing them ultimately do the do the fitter people just make it to the front or is it all tactical? So what I mean by that is did did you, Tom, and you, Aaron, not get to that front group before because 100% of tactics or or is it like or were Max and Alistair and Kyle and Magnus always going to find themselves there because they're just a little bit better than you guys? Oh, I think for me, had I think I would have stayed there had there not been a gap. But it came physically. So I guess... It's a bit of both, right? Tactically, if I just stayed there and didn't like, was more aware of the gap was starting to create when Jan was in front of me to to pounce on it straight away. I think I could have stayed there, but then it becomes physical. I'm not strong enough to close it once the gap was there. Um, you know, and I, I think it's probably different for Tom because he he had to close it like like he said two or three times. So I think his was a bit more maybe tactical and then and then okay like okay because he had to do it two or three times it became physical by the by the end but but I, I think like um 
yeah, like had I been aware of that situation, uh, and, I, and I, to be honest, in hindsight, I probably should have realized because I did notice like Jan was behind me, but I did notice he was dropping back a lot. And then, but I didn't realize that it was Tom that was having to overtake and then close that gap again. And then Jan would then be able to follow. Um, but had I known that, I probably would have been more hyper aware of it. And then as soon as I saw a gap open, gone with it straight away. Um, but yeah, I mean, Jan knew what he was doing. And, and like he said himself, his legs weren't great. And so, you know, it's cycling 101. You see it in the Tour de France all the time, even though you're not supposed to you know, slot in and, and, and maybe do some of the things that were happening. But, you know, obviously the cycle, the, the sprinters, whenever there's like a, a bit of a climb towards the end of a, a sprint stage, they always go to the front, don't they? Just before the hill and then hope that they can slide their way back and still be at the, at the peloton or the back of the group when you get to the top. And that was kind of what Jan was doing. He was, he was you know, trying to move up because he knew that on the hill, his, his legs weren't great and then would slowly move back and would still be at the back getting over the top. Um, so he was playing a, the tactical card that he had to play and it worked for him three times. I think when Tom, you had to, to bridge back up, but yeah, when he, when he went in front of me, I just didn't have the legs to, to close it. And, and that's kind of where the separation happened. Yeah, yeah, Jan's just like obviously he he's won so many races because he's not only he was not only like the fittest guy in the start list, uh, or he might not have been, but he's obviously he knows the strategy probably more than anyone. Um, that's why he's won Kona so many times and obviously Olympic medals and things. So he's definitely a guy to kind of learn from a hundred percent. And it was great to be in a race with him. To be fair, like I I still enjoyed it, even though uh, <laughs> I had to shut it and wouldn't surround the roundabout because I was just getting so annoyed, but. How did he, how did he, how did he take it? <laughs> he just rode, rode by me, uh, didn't say anything. And I just went back round him. And then after the race, he just, we, we chatted about it a little bit afterwards. Cause I wasn't taking the roundabouts particularly fast. Cause I was just trying to kind of keep a 20 meter gap. But obviously the officials said to us, obviously at roundabouts, it does get condensed and you kind of are allowed to come within the zone as long as you kind of stay back out of it. So I was just kind of trying to be honest around the roundabouts as well. Not that you get a drafting effect on a roundabout, but um, I was like, I'm not, I'm not kind of losing any time on these roundabouts. I'm just keeping my gap. But he just kind of, I think he saw it. He saw, probably thought I was going slow and he just wanted to get ahead of me because he was carrying more speed. So, yeah. Do you boys think that when Magnus got to the back of your group, so he, I checked, he got there at about 33K and then he just clearly sat on until like 55K, like Aaron said. So for about 20K, so he's bridged 90 seconds to you boys in like 25K and then for 20K, he's just sat on until that like big decisive move you, you guys have just talked about where he jumped across and then just sat on again. Knowing now that Magnus ended up coming third, does it surprise you that he didn't, come up to you guys and then try to ride harder and try to split the group more versus just sitting on and either not was not able to to do more or was can, like sort of trying to save his run legs i think he he wrote in his instagram post that he was really confident um in his in his run form going into that race so i i think that's why he just didn't push it too hard on the bike and was confident he can run there there with the best and battle out there on on the run but yeah i mean if if you ask him maybe he would have just yeah, done done a differently on a bike now. And I I think he he probably had to ride solid to to pay, take that seventy seconds out. I, I mean, I'm not yeah I'm not I won't say it, but I, I saw his Garmin at the end of the the race and I saw the power that he was pushing. And I mean, I think it was yeah 
pretty solid. I, I don't I don't know how much more he, he could do. I, I guess so. Aaron, what are we talking there? We talking like four fifty? What are we talking? No, 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 not that high. Not All above. Right. So, so not now, above so now everything you've said high, sounds high really sounds really low. That was my tactic, that if yeah. I went really high, you might say it because it doesn't sound as crazy. I, I guess to bridge, to bridge the, the gap to the, to the front, to the front I th- probably he went almost 450 for, for that 25 or 30K. Oh, yeah, if, if that's what you meant, Jack, I didn't, I didn't see that. I just saw the, um, the average power. I mean, it was just the home screen. As I was collecting my bike, I, I took a little sneaky peek at his, at his Garmin screen. <laughs> so I, I don't know what he had to do to close. Speaking of that, so Magnus has gone high 300s, let's call it 380. Um, what what were your boys' average powers for the rides? I know I've seen yours, Freddie. I haven't seen the other boys. Mine was two hundred and fifty. <laughs> <laughs> I think my power uh, did... might read a little bit low, so yeah, don't uh, take pinch yourself. Uh, and mine was three seventeen. And um, but but the the interesting thing was. Um, Dan, my coach, and I, we we broke down like this race and my Grand Canary race, and almost exactly they were like exactly identical, identical, and um, my run off it was quite identical as well. So I think, like, it kind of just shows that the effort that it took was fairly similar and across the board. But I think, um, yeah, for me, my like thirty minute power was fairly solid. So like I had. My peak 30 minute was 341 and that's like fairly, fairly high for me. Um, so I'd say that was probably, I think it was in like that first 30 minute. So yeah, I mean, if, if I'm riding 341 lighter than Magnus, even though I wasn't at the front, uh, he would to, to close 70 seconds in that 30, that first 45 minutes, he's yeah, had to be riding over 400, probably Freddie. Yeah. I had like, uh, I think my five minute peak power, um, yeah, my five minute peak power was three hundred ninety seven watts. That was uh, in the beginning, following following Magnus, and um, yeah, I mean, I also could could see it like um, on my my power to speed ratio that something is not right. Like also, like I ha- I think in the end I averaged uh, three hundred. 306 watts and 323 watts normalized power but it was a fast course in my opinion i mean you were you were going up and down you had the roundabouts but it was a really fast course for sure um i mean like the days before i was going on that course with like 200 watts like 38 kilometer per hour so yeah i think i've definitely lost like in terms of speed to power ratio like almost two kilometer per hour there mm. And now can we we sort of move on to the run? Like so you Aaron and, and Tom, you boys came off like a minute ten down um from, from that lead lead group of four. And Fred, you sort of talked about yours already. You were like I think three thirty down or something like that. But can we hear a little bit more about the run? I think we were only like four, I think I was like forty seconds down coming into T two. I just had to sit down. We no, we we lost like so we were. This is what I don't understand. So you know where we left the laps? Yeah. We were only about that, but then we lost like we lost like fifteen seconds in that last two k. Oh really? Oh wow! Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because oh, no, yeah, someone gave me a timing split at the bottom there, and then I heard about a minute when we got into transition. I was like, "Fuck!" I, I don't know. We and that that's kind of what the yarn. That's where yarn and and Christian rode back up to us. Oh right, okay. 
because they were a bit behind and then they they in in that last little bit they closed the gap um but yeah no so we started like like you said jack i think we started the, the run around about a minute back okay. um and in in the end it was with yarn and christian who were um who had caught us in the last the last time was kind of well, wasn't he? yeah ben Kinnick, that's right yeah yeah um yeah i think i think like i said in my instagram post my legs were were smoked um and i sort of started running i didn't i didn't think i was running super quick but i wasn't actually losing that much time to to yarn and christian in that first two to three k um i was probably only running like an average of 323 324 pace which wasn't yeah it's like not not crazy quick i mean in the end i i died a bit and I guess in hindsight, probably probably was a little bit too quick for how my legs were feeling, but I thought I was going out at a pace that I could kind of hold throughout. But yeah, like I didn't I didn't think getting off the bike that my legs were as, as smoked as they were, but it like it just was it just didn't have that poppy feeling or that you know springiness that you sometimes do feel. Um, and I just was basically stuck in one in one gear I didn't really have much more than that um and and you know like it's it's kind of it's frustrating because like sometimes when people catch you and and obviously I, I got onto the bike I think I mean onto the run around about six and, and ended up finishing 10th so I had four people go past me and normally you go right you can see someone catching you and you're like right you know with a k out you'd be like okay they're going to catch me in a k just like relax settle try and get yourself ready to go with and I'll do that and then I could only like lift up the pace for like 400 meters, 500 meters. And then I, I couldn't continue it. Um, so yeah, I think it just was for me, it was a bit more just, I was on my pretty well close to my limit on the bike and, and three thirties was, was all I could do running off it. So I think that's the biggest lesson now is to, for me, is to just kind of get that strength to be able to continue. I think I have to race the way I, I did. I, I can't just go, okay. I'm going to ride at my own pace even and kind of let that front group go and ride at my own pace. I think, yeah, you kind of have to commit to it being there because I, I feel like those that front group's going to ride quite fast. Um, but, yeah, so I think that for me it's now about getting that strength to be able to run to what I'm capable of doing off that effort. Um, yeah, so overall I think 10th yeah, isn't what I was hoping for. Um, but there were some positives and I think I wouldn't have done anything differently. And I guess that's just shows that that's where I'm at at the moment. Yeah. I think, um, I had a similar sort of run to you. I think Aaron like got off, like the, the gap. Yeah. Christian and Jan went too far ahead and they stayed there. I think, I think Christian was sitting on Jan, I think for a bit, and then he must've just like decided to go, uh, which is where he must've put in such a where Yeah. Where he just started to make his move. Um, but yeah, we, it, we didn't get the first aid station to like 4k in and I really I was really thirsty I was like dying thirst by the end of that like kind of first lap and a half or plus the uh, tra the transition into the uh, in, onto the run course lap so I was um I was running with Ben for a bit and then kind of once I got my first kind of feed station I felt quite good picked up the pace and then just started to kind of crash after about 8k uh, and then by the end by people coming by I, I couldn't go with anyone like uh I think Dan Daniel picked up Ben and Ben really had a second a real good second wind and he managed to stick with them the whole way and they they picked off quite a few guys uh but yeah when they came by I just I didn't have any response and 
I was like, I could see Dave catching me and a few of the other guys and there's nothing I could really do about it. And similar to Aaron, I, I just need to try and find that strength to be able to back up like the, the riding effort and be able to run off it. But maybe it's just, it just takes a bit more time in practice or I'll have to chat with my coach and see if we can figure something else out basically. So, but yeah, it was, a. Uh, it was it was like I, I was kind of happy with lots of it uh I wanted to slightly higher position but um I mean we're racing one of the best fields that's kind of been in a men's race for a for years so uh it was pretty cool just to be on that start line to be fair and um it's only May like I think Freddie said it's start of the pod like I, I didn't really want to be peaking in May like we've got a long we've got a long season ahead and there's more open races there's of the races going on so i hoping to kind of build on it really and what did you boys think of some of the other guys races so obviously max newman won and christian blumenfeld second magnus ditliv third and then we had yarn fourth jason west west fifth and alistair brownlee sixth um they're the sort of guys ahead ahead on the run that we haven't talked about yeah how did you view some some of the guys performances ahead of you can you talk to us a, a bit about that jason's west's run was crazy like I think he ran three oh seven average pace, and and Rudy from uh, back told me like um, he he came off the bike uh, with him or went on the run course with him and he got lapped by him. <laughs> it's so he and ran he, so fast, and he ran a um I think his first ten k was thirty thirty. Someone said to me, yeah. So his cycling was definitely stronger than uh, than I thought it would be. Like I thought he would be more more back for sure. But overall, like the gaps um, weren't as big um, as I thought they would be, like mm-hmm. uh, on the on the bike. Yeah, uh, to uh, to be fair, I thought the same. I thought that. Um, so who was 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 Jason with you on the bike? Uh, no, he was. Uh, what he was in the um, pack behind me, um, which was led by uh, Rudy, I think, um, and I don't know who else was there. Rudy was the one driving. Uh, yeah, uh, from there was still some. Uh, yeah, some some guys who who ran um yeah their way into like uh, David McNamee was in there as well, uh, Yuri Coylan and uh, yeah Jason West. So there were some good runners back there who still ran a bit a bit to the front. Yeah, I wouldn't. Um, and Max obviously Max was incredible. Like he was super impressive. I think did he he have to bridge with you, Tom, or was he even behind you out of the swim? No, he he kind of he he was out with me and. Out, out of T1 but he kind of just like he made the move around Florian and Daniel a little bit earlier but he did still ride onto the pack um, mm-hmm. probably within the I think pretty much by the time you actually got onto the lap course so he got there fairly quickly but he obviously made that move and yeah he, I mean the way he kind of like picked up his pace on the last kind of K as well when he knew Christian was chasing him and you, there was those out and back sections and when you can see someone closing in and he just had that like strength in his mind just to kind of keep pushing and then he he put more time into Kristen in the end in like that last k i think which was yeah. so so good um obviously like He's... alistair took it out like old school alistair didn't he uh yeah. that's i mean we we i didn't we couldn't really watch it but i could see how much time he put into the rest of the pack and i was like wow I wasn't expecting that. Um, mm-hmm. I guess he paid for it in the end, but I know he's not done loads and loads of run training. Like it, he only returned back to running about four weeks ago. So it doesn't like, doesn't, I don't know. It's like, why, why, 
I guess it's Alistair, right? He's won a lot of races doing that, having that same tactic. But I don't know if it was me and I had just been back running after an injury, I, I probably wouldn't have <laughs> attacked that run the same way. Um, he, he, he probably, in the end, he probably could have had a result where a better result had he, you know, been a bit more conservative on, on the at the start of the run and, and probably ended up on the podium. But I think that's Alistair's mentality. You rarely see. Yeah, Alistair's either first or if you if you go look at his ITU career, his short course career, he was like either first or like twentieth or, or behind. And he was often first. But but he, he never really settled for anything else other than the first, did he? So I think um you gotta respect it in that sense. But I think, yeah, personally he probably could have got himself onto that podium if he just more raced in reality to where his running was at at the moment rather than where he wanted it to be at. I reckon this is a really interesting talking point because I think it's at the point now where it's not going to change. So like obviously in his sprint and Olympic days, that's how he raced. He, you know, he, he, even in his 70.3s and now the PTO races, he's always in front of the races till like five or eight K, which obviously if you like um, take that back to Olympic distance, that's roughly or Olympic and sprint distance. That's roughly how long those races go for. So like you said, Aaron, and Tom, he wasn't that fit. He hadn't done that much running um, relative to, to what he could do. And then he goes and runs 250 or like 252 per K basically for the first few Ks and gets 30 seconds gap to Magnus um, and, and Max Newman in like 2K. Carl Smith blows up his legs trying to run 252 to hang on, on to him. Does, does Alistair actually have a better result if he goes and runs 320s from the start the same way Christian does? Like, do you think he's then capable of running 320s the whole way and, and coming, you know, second or third? Uh, like mentally? Like does he have it mentally in him, do you mean? No, no. Like could he have done that? Could he have physically done that? Like if he had have just ran 320 every single K, it, would he have been? Would that have been possible? Like or or would he not have been able to do that anyway and that it, like it didn't really matter that he went and ran 250s and blew up a bit? I mean, you're just burning way more matches running like uh, 250 then just running conservatives conservative 320 uh, case so i'm 100 sure he would have would have been faster in the end so everyone like watching it like so you three me like every single triathlon fan on instagram writes this comment like alistair he's they this just sounds super disrespectful people almost call him dumb like that is really what people call him which is crazy and i don't agree I, with i mean He's, but, he's super intelligent. He's actually yeah. See, we yeah, know he's trying thing. to Sorry. break. He's trying to break his competitors by running fast out of t out of the transition. I mean, that's a, the tactic behind it, and it it makes sense because it, it it works. It actually works. So, at what point does does he keep doing that? And at one point, like all the stars align and he's fit. He's had like um, consistent, you know, run volume for six months and everything aligns and he has the best race we've ever seen in, in long course history and he wins it. Or does, does Alistair just go through his whole career doing what he's done now, like injured, not injured, coming to races, blasting the first 5K of a run only to then like blow up and, and not have a great result? Or does at some point Alistair Brownlee start listening to the Instagrammers and go, you know what? I'm going to try this. I'm going to go and try and run 315 to 325 per K and just see where it gets me. I, I don't think you'll listen to people. I think uh, I think I, I would love to see it happen one day where the stars align and he can do it because he, he can run as fast as Jason when he's fit and on his day. 
uh, especially over the 100k distance. Like whether it can happen for Ironman, I have no idea. Um, but yeah, like I, I can't see him changing. Uh, to be fair, and w- one time it it might work. Maybe maybe this year. Who knows? I, I think it will work. I think I think he'll I think he'll win before before he retires. He'll win a 100k race by doing what he did the way he raced i think um but it's just probably not going to happen as consistently as it did in short course because he just can't consistently seems like he just can't consistently get that that preparation or the training um to be able to do it the way uh he he wants to but but to kind of answer what your question before jack I, i think he could have got on the podium um if he just went out and ran 320s i mean i'm in air quotes three just 320s uh but it's like we we touched on it's just probably not in his nature and and like freddie said he tries to just blow the competition away from from the start and it worked for a lot of him in in short course racing and so some other questions um freddie when i said i had three questions before i asked one of them i've I've still got at least one more i definitely want to ask you Last week when we were recording the, the, the episode in the lead into the race, you asked everyone to rate their preps out of 10. And when I was watching it, I had the feeling that when you were asking it, you had a smile on your face and you, I felt like you, you felt like you had one of the best builds you've ever had. Like you felt so confident. I could see confidence like coming out of you. Do you think that, that like, um, do you feel like, you did have that perfect build and you know, the mechanical fucked you and maybe like ruined you, you, you mentally and the race just didn't go out or on reflection, do you think even without that mechanical, you, you wouldn't have had like as good a result as you you could have had. And is there things in the build you would have done differently in the, in the week of on the race day itself? Talk, talk to me about all of that. So, yeah, like I I was confident because we recorded this episode right after my my test uh, test race there in, in Ibiza, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I definitely had the the best build ever. Um, so so like I mentioned, it was probably too perfect. Um, because for this race, I probably just would have need more uh, time to to absorb the training, and I think it's the best build ever for a really good season. Um, which is which is still ahead of me. Um, but. Yeah, seems like not for this race. Of course, I was hoping, hope, hoping different, and uh, I thought like this. Yeah, this taper week um, after attitude uh, would would be enough. Um, yeah, just to to have like a really good good shape on race day. But um, yeah, definitely wasn't enough. And yeah, also ap- apart from let's say if if I hadn't had a me- mechanical, if I probably could have get to the, to the front of the race, I think. But then on the run, I. I wouldn't have run uh, a lot different than I, than I did. Um, maybe a minute or two faster because I'm like in the race, uh, in the mix. Um, but definitely uh, didn't have any, anything to give on on the run that day. Um, so yeah, it, it would have taken me out. Still missing missing out. Uh, I think not even top ten. Um, even like. With, without the mechanical so I, I don't want to use this mechanical as an as an excuse of, of having a bad race because i also just had had a bad day um because this preparation just seems like wasn't good for that race but i think it was good uh for for, for the season and just for for myself um to to just get get better 
And then, um, so all your rankings before it. So Fred, you were 10th before it going in and, and dropped back to 11th. And um, Tom, I think yours is really interesting. You were 28th going in and, and you're still 28th coming out, even though you came 12th at the, sort of the biggest race of the year. I found that really interesting little look into the, the point system. Um, and Aaron, you're 11th down into 9th. Um, tell me if I'm wrong. I haven't done any research <laughs> here, but that's the first time you've been into the top 10 in, in the PTO rankings, isn't it? I, to, to be honest, I didn't know. So when did they update that? Do they just? Was it yes, yes. I also just I also just checked it now, but it's because I, <laughs> Thanks, I, I, I haven't checked it yet. <laughs> yeah, is that, is that uh, the Jack first time? dropping the um the exclusive. <laughs> um, no, I think when they reshuffled the rankings, well, I can't remember. Freddie, was we were you not? Because I was behind one behind you for a while. Were you ninth and so, I was tenth when they reshuffled yeah, at the yeah. end of last year? Yes. Yeah, the, um, I was ninth. I got from twenty first to ninth, and um, you got from, I think, twenty second to tenth, didn't you? Mm. Yeah, but that was kind of like without racing. It was just like the reshuffle. So this would be yeah. with races the first time. So what? I don't even know. Hey, what did we? What did we get? Uh, European Open. Okay. Yeah, there we go. We can break down the the points on air. But how interesting is but that? I, I know, uh, that Tom. It's interesting 12. because like. It's like three people overtook me, but I just dropped down one uh, one position because um, it's Lionel Sanders, Flo Angert, and I don't know who else. Oh no, yeah, Lionel Sanders and Flo Angert dropped out of the top ten because they are missing now the Ironman Seven uh, Ironman World Championship in St. George last year. So I dropped only one position this way. Why three people like Ben, Aaron, and Daniel overtook me in the ranking? Yeah. Oh, interesting. We've all got, <laughs> we've all, all three of us have got our heads in our phones. I'm presuming we're all looking at the rankings right now. <laughs> so I want to ask your opinion about like, uh, Sam Long won Ironman seventy point three St George on the on the weekend, and and he got like eighty nine high points, for example. And you came tenth at the PTO European Open, Aaron, and you got eighty five. That that St George field was weak. Like, let's be real. It was weak. It was a very weak field. Um, I know that they're like, Lionel's great, but he's not in good form at the moment. You know, Trevor Foley, I'm a big fan of, but he came second and um, Jackson Laundrie was there in third. That's a weak field relative to the PTO European Open field. Like a very weak field, isn't it? And you got like you, for example, come 10th at the PTO European Open, which is quite a good result given the field. And you get sort of four or five points less than Sam Long. Do you think that's right? Do you think that's how the system should work? I mean, I I would say uh, you you knew it before the race. Like if you if you win, um, it's I mean, St. George was was a continental championship, so so it was still like gold race, um, which is not so much worse than uh, like a, a diamond race. I think a diamond race like can get maximum hundred points uh, for position, and um, a gold race ninety points. So. Yeah, you have like for for a North American championship, it was not a good field because of course, like some of the best North Americans were racing the, the PTO European Open. So I rather think that Sam just got lucky there as well. Um, but yeah, in, in terms of points, he actually did it well because if you if you win winning that race is yeah, like the same like getting sixth or seventh in the in the diamond race at the PTO European Open, but I think this, the system still makes sense. Like, but yeah, it, sometimes you can still you still have to have like luck or yeah, if you point well or not. 
Yeah, I think probably briefly it's it's maybe not perfect, but it's it's going to be hard to find the perfect point system. But for sure, I think it's an improvement on last year. Do we still get five? Do you still get five percent extra points from a PTO race? No, only for your for your best longest since you get five percent extra, but not for PTO anymore. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> because the PTO is already in the in the highest category anyways. It's the only races in the highest category. This PTO race, or like looking at the points now, just getting inside the top 30 is just slightly harder. It's still around about 80 points average, which just about gets you in the start line for a PTO. But I guess these races, like the North American Champs in St. George, it does open a door for someone to try and jump up into the top 30 like it. It allows for a bit of mobility in the group in the uh, in the rankings still. So, I mean, in terms of the standard of field, it, it, it kind of balance, if if like Sam's result is the same as and whoever's, but it just allows people to try and kind of move up the rankings because it is quite hard to kind of get much beyond thirtieth just by doing kind of the silver gold tier races. I think. Yeah, so Sam's result, like Fred said, is sort of the same as Alistair Brownlee's in six. They, they're like the closest in points to each other. It's like there is a work around this though, isn't it? Like if you want that bonus for, for finishing inside the top 10 and, um, and, and you want to get like sponsorship money associated with saying like I'm the number seventh ranked athlete in the world, if you just timed it and it was possible to do a, a different race on all, like all the same weekends as say the PTO um, European Open, Singapore, and the US Open. That's a really smart way for like someone like Sam Long to go and win a race on all of those weekends and probably move up the rankings, not go down on the rankings. Mm. But this way, he could never move um, past the position he is right now. Yeah. Uh, because, I mean, right now he has an average of, of 91.68 points. And the uh, race uh, St. George on the weekend is his... Is in his best three races, but it's it's the lowest one from those. So he still has like the PTO US Open and the Collins Cup in there. So uh, to maintain maintain that position, he he will have to race um, like diamond or platinum platinum races. Yeah, that makes sense. It would probably be more a workaround for someone who was like like Tom said, like thirtieth in the world to move up to sort of eighteenth yeah. or something. That's actually a pretty good tactic. Hey, moving on from this, guys. Um, a question I love that you you boys probably don't even think about, but trust me, I love it. People love it. Behind the scenes, talk to me. There was all the big names there. Yarn was there. Christian was there. Alistair was there. Everyone was there. All the girls were there. Any stories from behind the scenes? Like Fred, we saw you posting on Instagram with Christian. You guys are, are best buds over there in, in, in Ibiza. What else happened? Like hanging out with, with Yarn and was there any behind the scenes stories? Oh, not not too much, I think. I think it was it was bad that the uh, um, official uh, after party was um, the on Sunday while our race was on Saturday because so many athletes have already gone home or or have lost their motivation to actually um, go out there to yeah party a bit with with other pro athletes. So um, I don't know. What do you guys think? Tom, Tom, surely you've got something. You spent. <laughs> you spent 48 hours after the race in Pasha and higher club, didn't you? Maybe, maybe can we send, um, oh no, you might have already posted it, Jack. Yeah, no, don't worry. I was going to say, we'll send a photo to you of him. Who was that guy, that big Jack dude that you took a photo with? He's my new coach. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. No, I, I, um, cause my, my friend who I mentioned earlier, they used to do triathlon 
uh, quite a few years ago. He's kind of like completely changed the way he lives his life and he just spends, uh, I think he said he goes to Ibiza like eight times a year. So he he's kind of got contacts with people and he can get us into VIP and stuff. So we just went to this club that he loves after the race, like in the afternoon after I've kind of recovered a bit. Um, yeah, it was, it was quite cool. Um, and then I met up with like Freddie and a few of the other guys later on and we went to a club called High, which was, uh, yeah, it was just mad. It is voted, like, I think, the best club in the world. Um, it was just insane, like, how big it was. Uh, and, yeah, I didn't, nothing really happened. It was just like we were just catching up, like, socialising a bit and um, kind of left, I don't know, in the early hours of the morning. Um, and then, yeah, the day after was, like, the, the kind of the official after party, but I don't think anyone anyone really went we we kind of arrived fashionably late and no one was there so we just left again <laughs> so uh, now we, it was more like you, you kind of try and chat to people but because I think we're all kind of, kind of spaced out around the the kind of town it was it was hard to really kind of spend mm. too much time chatting like I, I had an Airbnb about a couple of kilometers away from where you guys were staying um so I didn't really socialize too much um with the guys before there wasn't much chat uh like I, I didn't really have a chance to speak to too many people really so um yeah that was a shame but the, I guess the positive I don't know about you guys and I, I don't want to bring up like the Colin uh saga too much but there wasn't much chat about that from my perspective um people just focus on the race and how exciting it was going to be and how good it actually was to watch and that kind of got just left to a kind of left behind or kind of not sp not spoken about much i've actually forgot to mention that um with my 19th place i've got picked for for doping control post race <laughs> <laughs> i was i was i was in the room with like max newman magnus Dietlev, christian bloomfeld <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> I was, and i was there like oh come on i just want to just want to shower and get something to eat and of course like after after, after this because it was warm two less eight stations on the run of course it took like one and a half hours uh, until I got it done, but I was just I was just joking around that yeah I I spent too much time with Colin. They just picking me now after every race. <laughs> but that that was a good thing though because I I got drug tested as well, but I was really needing to go as soon as we finished, so I was done before you even got there. Before a lot of people. Oh yeah, there. right. Yeah, right. I didn't even see you. <laughs> yeah, but there was fifteen. I think they they tested fifteen people. I think they tested the top ten and five randoms from each um, gender. Yeah. Which is good. For sure. Yeah. They tested Dave as well. So he was 11th. They didn't test me. So I was able to like watch the women's race. So I, I just basically finished my race and then went on the run course and cheered on all, all the women. But yeah, it's great that they did 50 and that's like 50, well, 50% of the race. So yeah, that, that's yeah. great news. The only thing that could have made this this series better was if one of you got guys got done for a post-race drug test. That would have really taken this thing off, I reckon. <laughs> 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 don't say that bloody hell <laughs> I, I mean i think it's actually i, I sort of this is going to sound wild i wasn't even thinking about it but tom i think it's a really fair thing to bring up like because if we start to reflect a little bit about the series like uh, i mean 10 weeks we, we've been involved in it like aaron and tom you guys have been involved in it for i think at least like six weeks now five six weeks it would have to be wouldn't it maybe maybe six seven weeks yeah. um Colin started off here. He was the the first guy I asked, and then Fred, and and then Mika. 
Do you guys think that you'll look back on this series, right, and this this like little ten week period of your life, and do you think you'll remember it for for Colin Chartier testing positive for EPO? Is that the only thing you'll really remember from it? For sure, not the only thing, but like, I mean, it plays a big part of it. It's more of this ups and downs, uh, I call it now, from from the series. So, I mean, this is also like. Yeah, I mean, as soon Colin left, uh, the series was also like where the series took like a turn. So Aaron and Tom came back in. Um, but for sure, I w- it's not the only thing I ever remember for it. But I I will remember for it for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely going to be a um, a point that you yeah you look back in twenty twenty three in May time or or April and it's just be like wow yeah that that kind of happened then sort of thing. But I. For, for me, this series has been great because, like, can, kind of getting into this this sport, like, not knowing so many people, it's kind of been good to get to know Freddie a bit more and Mika and some of the guys. And we've heard that uh, quite a lot of the pros listen to this this series as well, so that's actually really cool. Uh, I know I listen to quite a lot of your podcast, Jack, but it's nice to know that the other pros are interested and there's a few talking points while we're out there about about the podcast and stuff. So that's um, that's quite nice to hear. Yeah, so I guess I guess we probably there's not much more to talk about. Um, probably wrap it up here. Maybe we do wrap it up like that. Like maybe give us a highlight and a low light from the from the build up uh, in the series. Uh, maybe start all start with a with a low light and then we'll we'll finish on the highlight and yeah wrap wrap the series up. Gee, um, without probably stating the obvious, I guess Colin has the the Colin situation for us has to be the low light but not not necessarily just um yeah obviously just anyone taking drugs in our sports like uh, would be considered quite a low light but i don't know just how it was kind of dropped on us in the pod in the recording um it was yeah just completely like came out of left field for us and i think we just weren't well obviously we were not expecting that at all um so I'd say that side of it, and um, more specific in how how we were told the news would probably be the low light. God, um, I, let me think about a highlight. Yeah, Tom, you got one. <laughs> I, I think uh, no, for, the low light for me was more just like the kind of week afterwards and how like kind of tough it was. Um, it wasn't obviously specifically to do with the podcast, but it was like that week was uh, quite quite tough to kind of bring the motivation back and focus on a race, but. Um, yeah, we kind of all managed to refocus, which is good, I suppose. Mm. I've got a highlight before. Um, uh, my highlight will be the 30,000 new Instagram and Strava followers I get when they all go over to our pages and give Tom, <laughs> myself and Freddie a follow. That's going to be my highlight. <laughs> I, went and looked, I went and looked this week at how many people have listened um, and the individual listeners is... I actually forgot this number. I know overall we've had like um, 358,000 people, like 358,000 downloads for the series, which is like quite a quite a crazy number and weird to think that that many people have... 200,000 of, of them were the, the Colin episode? No, I didn't, <laughs> I didn't count the Colin episode because I thought that's a bit... You probably probably sort of uh, skews it a little bit. Nah, but just like the actual road to the PTO European Open episodes, yeah, um, 350,000. So, you know, it's obviously reached quite a few years and, and got a lot of people that love it. Um, so it would be nice if everyone could continue following along with Fred, Tom 
Aaron and, and Mika's journeys as well. And I mean, you can st- still go follow Colin's Instagram account, account if you want as well. He'll probably post some skiing pictures. But if you if you could follow these boys, like get around Tom, get around Fred, get around Aaron, get around Mika for the rest of the, the year. And, you know, things like when they post an Instagram photo, get around them, you know, remind them that they're still they're still like a, an athlete that you want to follow. And yeah, let's, um, let's show them love for the rest of the year because it's been like bloody amazing having them on every week and giving up so much of their time to share their training with us, share their lives with us. You know, I feel like I know them so well now and I don't really know them at all and I'm sure everyone else feels like that as well. So, yeah, um, from, from from me, guys, I can't thank you enough for coming on and do it. Like, been a long slog. This series feels like it's been going on for six months, I reckon, um, maybe because there was, like, some highs and lows and everyone was getting injured and drug tests and, yeah, it's been a fucking crazy series. You could never have predicted it beforehand. So thanks for sticking tough through it. Not not once did any of you complain, like through the Colin shit, through injuries, you know. Yeah, it's been it's been such a positive, great experience. So thanks so much for doing it. Uh, I'll remember it forever. You know, first big series I've done outside of my own thing. So, yeah, personally, this this isn't something I'll ever forget and eternally grateful to, to all of you. Yeah, thank you, Jack. Um, yeah, thanks a lot for yeah, providing us uh, the platform to do that. And just to to mention my highlight uh, as well, it's just been uh, overall, the, this whole podcast has been a highlight for me, just getting to know um, Mika, um, Aaron and, and Tom better, you as well, Jack, uh, just, just talk with, with each other every week text each other in the in the group every day about uh some some random shit <laughs> which is also quite fun uh so so yeah it's be, it's been a great great experience a great journey over the the last uh yeah four months almost and um yeah it it, it was uh to be honest it was exhausting at times uh sitting down recording this podcast sometimes i was like oh no i still have to record uh, the, the how to train podcast today but in the end, it was always always worth it and a lot of fun. I always love to talk about my training. So yeah, everyone who is interested in that can go follow follow me on Strava. I really publish everything. Uh, also, not hiding any power or heart rate numbers there. And um, yeah, thanks uh, uh, to to you, Tom and Aaron, um, for coming on on the series um, instead of of Mika, Mika and Colin. Was was really great with you guys. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm looking forward uh, to to see see you guys in races, and looking forward uh, to to see you, Jack, um, uh, when you come to Europe this summer. Yeah, we should. Have, I reckon at some point we got to do a, a reunion episode. You know, like sometime later on down in the year, like uh, whether it's after a PTO race or when I'm over in Europe, when when all you boys most likely will be as well. Um, I think that would be really fun if we could, you know two or three times a year from here on out, we just get together for a reunion episode and shoot the shit. I think that would be great. Yeah, that's a great idea. I like, like the sound of that, definitely. When are you coming to Europe, by the way, Jack? Have you got a date yet? Yeah, I'm coming over in August. I'll be there for all of August and a, like at least half of September. Nice. Yeah, we'll be around. Yeah, I think I'll be around a lot of you boys. Like, I think I'll be, I'm, I'm doing like Italy, Switzerland, France, um, and, and a bit of Spain. So... Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure I'll be able to cross paths with all three. You probably at that point, so that'll be fun. Cool. Cheers, cheers, Jack. Cheers, boys. Let's wrap it up. Have a have a good rest of your day, boys. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Just a reminder that the link to Precision Fuel and Hydration is in the description of this episode, um, or you can just go and Google Precision Fuel and Hydration, and you'll find it really easily. So go and have a look. Uh, take the opportunity to improve your fueling during training this year. 
I seriously think it's the most underrated aspect of, of preparing for a race. We get really caught up with the training, but do what I've done this year. Like take the time to, to go and figure out what works best for you. And yeah, I would highly recommend using precision as part of that to at least try them um, because I know it worked so well for me when I did. Remember to use the 15% off discount code, which is HTT23. Get your 15% off all your orders. 